Can you tell me about your childhood? What was it like? My childhood, yeah. Um, so I grew up in Utkervik. Um, it's the northernmost city in the United States and some 300 miles, I think, above the Arctic Circle. It's on the coast. I grew up in love with school. Uh, my dad was a geologist, is a geologist. And so he would have scientists coming in and out of our house because he started the, the BARC, the Bear Arctic Research Consortium. So I got to meet a lot of really cool scientists coming into town. Uh, my dad was also a whaling captain. So um, I spent a lot of time helping to process the whale, serve it to the community, you know, various seasonal activities with Alaska Native life, um, Inupiaq life. I think that like in one word, if I could sum up my childhood, I would say it was free. You know, in Inupiaq culture, it's not really about the nuclear family. It's really about the whole entire community. So like my parents would just let us run free in the neighborhood and be wild and crazy. But like everyone around us is always watching us, but we don't really feel like they are. You know, they'll come and scold us if we're like playing out on the ice and stuff like that. But um, we were free to just explore, you know, explore the tundra, explore our backyards. And there are no fences, you know, in those villages. So it felt very free. As a high school student, what career dreams did you have? When I was in high school, I wanted to be an astronaut. So that's why I went to this university called Embry-Riddle, Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. That was the dream. And uh, I, I got to work at NASA for six summers, five at the Kennedy Space Center, one at the Johnson Space Center. Uh, got to see a couple shuttle launches before that program was shut down. Got to work on the... Uh, Orion program, which was supposed to be the next generation after the shuttle, but I didn't become an astronaut, that's for sure. <laughs> but that was my dream. So what was your inspiration for Coffee and Quack? So I was working just a uh, administrative job. I was working in permitting for my village corporation. The favorite part of my day was checking out the news and then just talking to my coworkers about what was going on in the world and what was going on locally here in Alaska. And so I wasn't seeing a lot of native representation in the news. And what I was seeing, it was like negative or, you know, focused on like some of the disparities of our communities. And so it was really disheartening and frustrating because that's not the the Alaska that I know. It's not the people that I know, not the people that I grew up with. You know, all my favorite people are Alaska Native and Yupiaq people, you know, like the funniest, smartest, you know, most endearing. And so I always thought, like, what if I could take some part of my experiences or my conversations with Native people, stick it in my pocket and then like bust it out, you know, wherever I was or with whoever I was talking to. And I, I thought, how could I do that? And at the time, my partner was listening to a lot of podcasts, and I hadn't really figured out what podcasts were, but I was like, well, you know, what if we could have like a Joe Rogan podcast, but it could be like focused on Native culture instead of, you know, whatever he talks about. Um, so I thought, let's try it out, you know, and, and the first interview I did with Holly Nordblom on traditional Inuit tattoos, it was just, it felt right, you know, it felt really good, and I was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, it was just enough to get me hooked and enough to continue the work. But the single most important thing was that I wasn't seeing accurate and authentic Alaska Native representation in media. So this was my little answer back to that problem. And then what was the process like learning how to produce a podcast? Was that something you had like prior experience with? 
no. I did not know what I was doing at all. I had no idea, and I didn't even have the right equipment. I was using the wrong microphone for a long time. So I just kind of jumped in. But I listened to a TED Talk, and it was something like, in order to like do really groundbreaking work, you're never going to get it perfectly planned out. And technology is always changing anyways. So like you just need to get started, try it out, see what happens, and then you learn along the way. So even if I had taken a whole course or class about podcasting prior, it probably still wouldn't be as valuable as just doing it. What, in your opinion, is the biggest barrier keeping the stories of the underrepresented from reaching audiences everywhere? And how do you feel your podcast has affected that? Um, I would say the biggest barrier right now is trust, at least for Alaska Native communities. I think that a lot of our stories, our knowledges, our technologies um, have been exploited in many ways in mainstream media. If you go to rural Alaska, you'll see that they're kind of guarded um, because they don't want their stories to be taken out of context. So I would say that's one of the biggest barriers. I like to pride myself on the way that I do interviews and the way that I do is I invite people into my home and we sit down and we have um, some snacks or a meal and then there's a level of trust building and relationship building before the official interview actually starts. And I actually don't really like to consider my approach as an interview. It's more so like a discussion. So it's like a little bit give and take. So it doesn't feel so transactional. Um, so I feel like the way that I do my work and the way that I approach my work is helping to build that trust that's missing. You know, it is kind of confronting the barrier head on. And then also there's a little bit um, leeway because I'm Alaska Native and I'm interviewing Alaska Native people. So I understand that struggle. I understand that barrier. And I understand that history of exploitation. So I think that there's a lot of care that I do to help break down that barrier. Uh, you talked about your job at NASA. Did you ever think about going back? Yes, I have thought about going back to NASA because I, I still want, you know, low-key want to be an astronaut. Um, I'm going to be honest, it was hard to work at NASA as a Native woman because it kind of felt like what could a Native woman ever contribute to the American space program? It was still kind of like the good old boys club. There was just um, older white men in charge there. Um, I felt like I wasn't treated like a, a real employee when I worked there. Um, so it was kind of annoying. I was like, I just want to wait till like this generation kind of dies out. Then maybe I'll come back <laughs> to NASA. Mm. But no, it was so cool to see the shuttle launches. I saw my first one. Um, it was STS-127. I think I was 19, 20 years old. Uh, and that was just the coolest thing I'd ever seen. I got to watch it three miles from the launch pad. And like you could feel it before you see it. It was like... <laughs> Yeah, and it was just amazing. I, I mean, I had so much fun. It was like my playground there. And so it was a good work experience. Uh, do I ever want to go back eventually? Yeah, that would be, that's the dream, but um, not anytime soon. Uh, what are your favorite Alaska Native related tattoos? And if you have any, can you explain them to us? Yeah, I've, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the women with like the lines on their fingers, that one's really cool. Um, that is a story about Sedna, the sea goddess, and um, it's to honor her. The story or the legend is that um, there was a woman and her dad made her marry this guy that she didn't want to get married to. So she ran away. Then she was captured by her dad and thrown off a boat. 
she was tossed into the ocean and she tried to get back into the boat, but her dad cut her fingers off. And then her fingers became the animals that we eat, the fish, the seals, the whales, um, walrus. And so if you ever go out hunting, you want to be on good terms with Sedna, the sea goddess. So you have to like brush her hair because she can't, she doesn't have hands because her fingers are gone. So you have to brush her hair and sweet talk her to let her calm the seas and let the animals, her fingers, come to you when you're out hunting. So that's a interesting story. It, it's, it's a little bit different in different places, but that's what I understand it to be. And so that's why you'll see na- some Native women with these, you know, lines on their fingers. Bear in mind, like, everyone's tattoo means different for each person, right? Like, it's their own definition because we're all Native women. We can't own one story or whatever. It's, it is whatever one person wants it to be, right? So for me and my, my tattoos, I had done my podcast episode. It was my first one. I didn't even have my tattoos then. I wasn't planning on getting any. But I think I was, like, in a rut, um, like, a year and a half into my podcast. And I was like, I feel like I need a grounding, you know, I feel like, why am I doing my podcast and who am I doing it for? You know, I just needed some way of like recalibrating myself because I was just kind of like getting a lot of success. I was getting a lot of attention. People were emailing me all the time, asking me to do different things. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so what am I doing? You know, I needed to slow down and think about it. And so I called Holly, who um, I interviewed for the first episode And I just told her how I was feeling and she was like, well, we can do, you know, whatever you want to do. And I was like, I think I was, I was looking at the cheek tattoos and I was kind of wondering what those signify, what they mean. And um, she's like, well, they mean whatever you want them to mean because you're Inupiaq and you, (laughs) you are a native woman. So, but this is what they're traditionally known for. And she said to ward off evil spirits, to promote like fertilization, I guess, to be more fertile (laughs) if you ever want to have a child. I know that tattoos were also given in pressure points of your body when there's pain. Um, And so I went to go see Holly. And at first I thought I wanted skin stitch. And she was like, oh, you don't want that. And I was like, why? She's like, well, because they'll come out like lines. And you don't want lines on your cheeks. We can do dots. And I'm like, okay, let's do that. And um, I had my best friend there with me. And it's a women's practice. You know, I think um, men have been known to have tattoos, but they're just not the same as women's and they're not done in the same sacred space as a woman. Holly laid me down and she told me to imagine your anxieties um, leaving your body with every poke because it was a hand poke tattoo. And uh, I was like, okay, that sounds kooky AF, but whatever. (laughs) But I did and, um, and it did feel like I was losing this burden coming off of my chest or like my shoulders or something. And so um, it did really relieve some of the anxieties and stresses that I was feeling about, you know, wanting a grounding in who I am and why I'm doing my podcast. And so when I got up, I just felt lighter. I felt freer. Um, I felt more like myself. And I felt like I couldn't imagine my face without my tattoos at that point. Um, So yeah, it was a really wild experience, a very spiritual experience. Um, and ever since then, I just kind of feel like it's been growing because I'm not really like su- a super spiritual person per se. You know, I'm kind of like a more uh, logical, like cerebral. I'm, you know, very into science and stuff like that. So I'm not even that religious, but like this um, experience that I had felt very spiritual. And if I kind of felt like I was letting myself go and be free and and it reminded me of when I felt most free in the world is when I was a child in Utkarlik and out on the tundra and just having a ball and being myself. 
You've been listening to an interview with Alice Connick Glenn. She's an award-winning audio producer and the creator of Coffee and Quack, a podcast that celebrates contemporary Native life in urban Alaska. This podcast was produced by students from Sea Stories Intro to Podcasting Workshop at West High School and edited by me, Caitlin Armstrong. A huge thank you to the funders who made this class possible. The Center for Safe Alaskans, the Anchorage Youth Development Coalition, the Alaska Humanities Forum, and the Atwood Foundation. Sea Stories' mission is to build inclusive communities with film and story. To learn more about our work, visit us at seestoriesalaska.org.